future. We are the future. We are the future. We are the future. <laughs> hey, welcome everyone. That was my futuristic music that I just wrote for the show, for the Tea and Deport show. And today is, um, oh, this is really sad. I got to look at my phone. I think it's the 22nd. Today's the 22nd of February 2018. And we're doing another podcast here on Tea and a Porch. So, um, as I promised last time, I said I was going to talk about non-duality, and we're going to take a look at um, what it is exactly, and how to get it. So, we're going to go straight to it um, in a little bit. First of all, how are you doing? How's the week going? How is the day how was the, uh, if you're on the East Coast, we had really beautiful weather, like 75 degrees yesterday. So, how are you? There's moments when you stop in life and now it all comes flooding in. How's that? How's that going for you? Some of the things I'll bring with you, bring to you today will hopefully help with that. Um, but uh, hopefully you're doing well. Um... That music I just played, it's funny, you know, back in the back in the late 80s, 70s, we had these electronic music coming out. And I don't know about you, but I had visions of what the world would be like. And I thought, oh, it'll all be electronic and everybody will be wearing weird helmets and there'll be flying cars and, and it'll be this electronic age. And at that time, the electronic age seemed like it was very cold, but fun. And now the electronic age has really become more personalized. It's almost turned into, our electronics and technologies we have have almost turned into another dimension for us to play out in. So, for example, um, many of you have a Facebook account. And then you have, on that Facebook account, you have an image you're holding up. It's a, another you that you're, you're taking care of out there, that you're protecting. It's, it's called social media, our social self. It's like another third dimension, another dimension of, of us, um, which, in my belief, I think puts everybody in a complete freaking zombie mode. We all become zombies. And uh, it's a bit scary. Um, you see individuals, you know, on their cell phones. If someone had told me, you know, back when I was younger, you're going to have this computer in your hand and you can catch anybody and you can download movies and watch things in your hand. I would have thought, wow, that's really cool. How beautiful and technical that is. And I would have pictured, I would have pictured that that, that device would be played with and then put in a drawer and then I'd go out skateboarding and go hiking in the woods and do all kinds of fun stuff. But it's not like that. Uh, these, these cell phones are attached to everyone's hip. They're, there's people that sleep with them in their hand. They have them by their bed. Um, they walk through stores with them, staring at them, missing everything. They go to concerts and you go see a concert and you look up to see the band and you see 300 cell phones in front of you all recording it. It's just phenomenal. It's not what I expected. Um, so in order to find our own truth, you almost have to put the technology down. It, it has, it's helped us a bit, but it hasn't really helped us. Um, so it connects us in many ways, but you know, you have advances like this, so I can do a podcast and I can now speak to a lot of different people. And that's, that's fun. But at the same time, um, it pulls you away. So I, I find that interesting. The other, um, the other thing about technology is um, it, it is 
advantageous in that, okay, I can go on the internet and I can look up uh, any non-dual teacher and I can sit there and listen to Muji or Rupert Spear or Tony Parsons just as if he's in my living room and I can get the same energy and essence from him without having to go to Australia or India or California for any of these individuals. So there's an advantage to it that way. But the the social self that it's now created is a whole nother level. So you have a level of there's presence, which is the self that I I run into and I meet uh, when I'm sitting on the beach by myself for like an hour. What, who am I then? Wow, I'm just this presence of the sea and the and the and the air and everything. And then there's the other self, which is oh, there's Mike who is. Uh, you know, doing uh, some music and playing and, and needs to pick up a paycheck for that. And then there's this other, now this third self, which is the social media self, which is, you know, the person we portray on uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, and things like that, which I find to be exhausting and um, don't pay much attention to it. But a lot of people, that's where they live. That's who they think they are. Uh, it's it's almost like these 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 different social sites have said, hey, you need to um, you need to get back on here today, and 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 you're on stage again. You need to get back on stage. So our technology is not what I thought it would be. Um, it's, it's really interesting. Of course, is anything ever the way you think it would be? Who knows? Just don't know. So I put together some some um, thoughts and um, some information on non-duality. So if you've been listening to the show and you've been saying, okay, uh, what what is non-duality? What the hell are you talking about in these past few shows? And the only thing I can tell you is that I did the same thing when I first came into this. I was, I was seeking happiness, seeking a way to find uh, something. I was looking at the world saying, this doesn't make sense. Uh, I've got the job, I've got the money, I've got the house, the cars, the kids, the everything, and why is this not working? Why am I not happy? And it felt like something just wasn't real. Like I was just, um, it was just all icing and no cake. That's I keep going back to that. Something just wasn't real. I, and no matter what I did, there was always something better to go to always something better. So then I, I one day listened to this woman named Ganga G and everybody in the audience was saying, thank you so much for this. Thank you for showing me this. Thank you for this. And I sat there listening to uh, this little interview with these people and I'm going, what? This what? What the hell is the this you're talking about? And then I realized that the, uh, the this was uh, presence. It was presence. So we're going to go into this right now. Non-duality. Okay. Imagine that you've got a, a T chart in front of you. You've got the left side and your right side. You get a line down the middle of the, of the page. And on one side it says uh, the dualistic way of seeing life. And this is what we're taught is, is how to see life as, okay, you are Mike. You are a child. You are separate from life. And you have these things you have to do. That's the dualistic way in which we're taught as, as children by our parents and our, our schools completely enforce that as they, they do nothing but create competition and, and you're not good unless you get an A. So if you're not following the rules and, and you're not sitting like a good little child so that you can go into the factory and look at light bulbs entirely all day and be like a cattle, then you are not doing well and you will not get an A. Those who sit and watch and do well will get A's. Those who don't and who are creative and have their own mind, you will fail. <laughs> I went to Catholic school. Can you tell? Anyway, so the dualistic way of seeing life. Let's take a look at this. Um, in the dualistic way of seeing life, you are a person. In the non-dual way of seeing life, you are life itself. So that's the first point. 
in the dualistic way of life, uh, there's time, there's future and past and things that you have to do or things that you regret. So there's time. There's always time. There's always something coming up. Your vacation's coming up. It's Friday, waiting for the weekend. Um, or it's, oh God, it's Monday. Or you're sitting back and you're looking back at what happened last year and where are you now compared to last year and are you getting better? So there's always time. Time is a measurement of individual splices of moments being spliced up moment by moment. And that's what the mind does. It puts things in little pieces and then it strings them all together and allows you to evaluate as if you are doing better. That's the dualistic way of looking at it. Now, under non-dual, there's no time. There's just open presence. Now, this place of open presence is what you're always trying to get to in the... Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call that the me world. We're going to call one the dualistic. We're going to call that the me world. And then the non-dual, we're just going to call that presence. So in the me world... Um, Time is always trying to get to the place of presence. Always. It's always trying to happen. Um, in relationships in the me world, you're trying to get a place to a place in a relationship. You're always comparing yourself to another person in a relationship. You're always trying to get a relationship to be a certain way. Happiness um, appears in relationships in the me world. Me will have a relationship with someone. And uh, the me will have these moments of just, ah, oh, I'm happy. Well, the happiness doesn't come from actually ha actually being with that person. The happiness actually comes from the fact that you don't have to search anymore for a relationship. You're just happy you're done with the process. Yay, I'm happy. It's kind of like when you buy a car. You're not happy that you have the car. You're not happy that you now have this, you know, $20,000 debt that you have to pay for something that's going to break halfway through. Uh, you're happy that you don't have to go and look for a darn car anymore. And you're probably happy you don't have to walk into those wretched sales offices and deal with those... Okay, I won't go there. Those people that are selling you cars. <laughs> I swear, I think the next car I'm going to buy is just going to be off some guy who's selling it in his front yard because he's not going to try to sell me 12 different things and finance programs and rust stuff underneath of it and just take me for a ride all day long. Um, so relationships in the me world, it's always about you trying to get to another place in a relationship. The relationship isn't good enough. The, this relationship doesn't complete me. We're always looking for that complete me way. Something has to complete me. Um, now in, in the world of presence, non-duality, okay, all relationships express the whole. There is no other place. Every relationship you have is complete and full and perfect as it is. So in the world of presence, you have a relationship with someone. Let's say it's a girlfriend and she's got her issues. Um, or it's a boyfriend and he has his issues. Well, in the world of presence, you look at this and you say all relationships, these are the flavors of relationships. It's the good, it's the bad, it's the ugly, it's the strangeness, it's the different things like that that take place. It's all the, it's all the craziness. And you look at that and you say this, you see presence appearing as these different things. If for some reason an idea and thoughts come up to relieve the relationship in the world of presence, then leaving, ending happens. It just takes place. You say, you know what, I'm feeling over and over and over this need to end this. And then it'll just, it'll just end. And you allow it and say, this, this is happening for a reason. All the events that take place in the world of presence, all the events that take place in a relationship, the things that happen, the good, the bad, the ugly, the screaming, the yelling, the lovemaking, the beauty, the hotness, the coldness, all of that is just raining on water. It never touches your own divine presence. So these things that are raining on water, you, you take them and you say, yeah, there they are. But in the me world, these things are death. Oh my God, she's going to leave me. Oh my God, he's going to leave me. Oh my God, they said this. You're always trying to protect this me. You're trying to protect and cover up this me. You're trying to, it's like a chalkboard with different emotions. You're trying to protect and make it work all the time. It's death. Okay, so in the me world, death 
is also something that's completely scary. It's a huge fear. We fear death. We fear things. We fear ending. We fear the pain in the future of death. We actually fear, fear, fear death completely. To die is the worst thing ever. It's the absolute worst thing. That's in the me world. In the world of presence, in the world of presence, there's no death. And there was never a birth either. Think about it. Presence is space. How can space be born to new space? How can one part of the sky actually be more of the sky? How can one part of the sky split and make more of the sky? It's impossible. So how does birth ever take place? Then does the sky die? Can space die? No. Can presence die? No. I sat by my mother on her deathbed the night before she died. I'd been meditating that day and in that space of meditation back when I was meditating, I don't meditate anymore, back when I was meditating, there was um, this beautiful presence that I felt in her before she died. It just opened up, everything opened up and this, this, just this was there, just, just this. And just this is what I felt in meditation. Just this is what's here now. Just this. That's all that's here. So I felt just this that night with her. And I knew this is who she is. This doesn't die. Everything she was prior to that, the ups and downs, the bipolar, schizophrenic, all the other stuff, she, she had a very rough life, um, was writing on water, just appearing floating, moving, and all of that was presented as a me story, a me, me, me story. So the me fears death. It fears the pain. It fears the future. Scared to death of the future. Um, in the last podcast, I talked about money. And if you look at money, you go into time and you go into a me, and it creates pain. The other thing is um, in the me world, thinking. Thinking happens. All thoughts are protecting the character. Their thinking are the tools to get to another place. So it's like, okay, there's a you, and there, th this me world is needs to be done right, and you have to think your way to get to this other place. If you want to, you know, go to the store, you have to do it this way, and this is the way, this is the proper way to do it. And this, this me world will, so you'll get, you'll feel better if you do it this way. It's all about thinking and all the thoughts are always about finding the path, not to, not something in pain, not something that will make you fall off the cliff. It's just something that's, oh, there's, there's the way of doing this. This will make me happy if I just, if I just hang out with this person and stay, uh, maybe stay in this relationship, which is not good for me. Um, then I'll, I'll just be happy because I'm afraid of what else could be there. Or maybe I'll just I'll just stay put and, and not try to go for a, a job that I want to um, because <clears throat> that'll make me much more happier just to be here because it's safe. This is safe. This is safe. And, and I don't want to go outside of my level of safeness. So we stay there. So the thinking and the thoughts do nothing but continually support and maintain the constricted energy of a me. Now, in the world of presence, thinking happens. But the thinking doesn't root into anything. The thoughts appear, but they don't root into any being that's there. No me is there. They don't root into a me. The thoughts just happen. You can play with them and fool around with the thoughts and watch them. And entertain them. And even if anger and emotions and all these different things come up, the anger and emotions, they appear and you express them. And you say, yeah, yeah, this fucking sucks. And you feel yourself doing that. But in the anger itself, you see the presence. You know the presence. There's a knowing of presence in all emotions. There's a knowing of presence in all thoughts. So no matter what you're doing, whether you're angry or whether you're excited or whether you're sitting by a tree, 
it's all the same. Just slightly different flavors and fragrances, but it's all the same. So the thoughts have no purpose, really. They, they serve a purpose of helping you explore the different types of flavors that are out there, helping you see the different art that is appearing in front of you. And you do it with joy because everything is the knowingness. Everything is presence. But in the me world, these things are scary. You're like, no, no, I can't just go to the art museum and stare at paintings for an hour. I have things to do because if I don't do these things, I'm not going to have this stuff. I'm not going to have this relationship. I'm not going to have these items. I'm not going to have this money so that I can go to the art museum and stare at paintings. <laughs> It's kind of fucked up. It kind of is. So thinking is a whole different thing. The other thing is once once presence becomes who you are, thoughts are not as often. They they don't you don't get as many thoughts. I still have a lot of thoughts, but not compared to what I used to. I used to have let's say I used to have 1000 and 1,237 thoughts a day. Now I have hmm, maybe 700, maybe 12. I don't know. I never counted them, but it sure seems like a lot. It sure seems like a lot less right now. Um, I have worries that come in, and I, I worry about things. Worrying still takes place. All the things still take place, but worries now, again, they're seen through. Like, yeah, there's a worry, and it's happening. Let's play with it. And you go into it, and you play with it for a little while, and then step back. And you say, wow, look how that worry just appeared upon this canvas of presence. And, and there it is. So it becomes a contemplative uh, way of living life. And in that contemplative way, you're, you're safe. You're fine. So the other piece is... God. <laughs> Let's talk about that because a lot of individuals are religious and I think religion is beautiful. But again, it depends on, on from what perspective you're looking at this. A lot of people may be very religious and completely immersed in the presence, but yet they can't speak of it. It's beyond what they what they speak of. I have a few friends that are like that. They're religious. They go to church all the time. They don't agree with what the church does or what these these uh, religions do, but yet they go because they find a grand peace in all of it, which they can't describe. And they like maybe they like the food afterwards. They like the, the lunch they serve. Who knows? So um, God is um, over there, and you're here. That's what we're taught, okay? You're here and God's over there and you have to do all these things to get closer to God. And if you don't, you have sinned, you know? Um, I don't like the word sinning. It's, it's just, there's a veil of illusion that comes across individuals where they get lost and they get lost in thoughts in the story of a me. Maybe that's what sin is, I don't know. But I never liked that word. Now, in presence, God is you, and it's everything is the presence of God. It's the illusion um, of a greater power is not there. It's now just this. So there's no illusion of a greater power. So it's kind of tough, though, because when you use the word God, you get this idea of what God is based upon what you learned in, in I don't know, Catholic school, church, synagogue or whatever it is, you learned that this is, oh, this is almighty, powerful being, and, and that is God. And that's no different from Oz in The Wizard of Oz. Do you remember that one? And what happened when they got there? Oz was nothing. There was no Oz behind the curtain. The curtain was empty behind the curtain. So God is emptiness. His peace is grace. When you give up and say, game over, game over, I quit. Then you stand behind the curtain and you stand within the presence of Oz, of God, of peace. So these things take place. Um, so in presence, it's everywhere. Now, as the me story 
life itself, um, you as a me, you feel like you're holding up life. You're holding life up. You're holding up a, a cloud of thoughts. And these cloud of thoughts is life. It's your day. You think about your day, where you have to be, what you have to do. And it's like you're holding it up. There's a concentrated form of energy just saying, let's hold this up and let's, let's go forward like this. It's a charge. It's war. It's you against the rest of the world out there and you have to get to this place. That's the me. And, and the me world is hard. It's painful. The body aches. It gets sick. Um, there's judgment that occurs for everything. People are out there driving in traffic, judging one another, judging, 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 giving each other the finger, <laughs> like happened to me, cutting each other off in traffic. We have these automobiles, which should be vehicles to allow us to go see people we love and share and, and enjoy, but we drive around in this manic, mad state blasting our, our big trucks with big mufflers and just pissed off because someone actually got in front of you and they're doing 10 miles under the speed limit. So you drive past them in pure anger and you blow your dark smoke at them. Yeah, let's do that. And that's continually just supports a separate me. That's all that does. It just supports that. So life becomes hard and we judge and we judge and we judge. And we do it to protect the me. In the world of presence, you allow. You just allow these things to take place. Just let it happen. Now, it doesn't mean that if someone comes up to you and says, give me your money, you just allow it. Because the allowing can be the allowance of fighting to happen. The allowance of looking that person in the eyes who's about to take your money and say, here, and you give them the wallet. And then you connect very deeply with them so that they get a lot more than just the money. They get what they're really looking for, which is what you are. So allowing just happens. It just happens um, in the world of presence. In the world of me, um, you're always seeking. You're always waiting. You're waiting for the next whatever it is to take place. You're waiting for the next um, the next home that you move to to be beautiful and perfect. You're waiting for the next relationship to be beautiful and perfect. You're, you're waiting for uh, the evening when you can have dinner and have this perfect dinner. Um, when you're in the world of presence, waiting still takes place. Anxiety and and not anxiety, but um, anxiousness and looking forward to things still take place. I still look forward to, yeah, I get to go to the record store today at 3 o'clock, and I can't wait to go look through the records. You still have that enjoyment. However, as presence, you watch the enjoyment of that coming in, going, look, look, there's an enjoyment happening in me right now watching this, this, this um, thought pattern of looking forward to something. And that thought pattern of looking forward to something is the same presence that is here now. It's made of the same presence. See how this works? It's a lot easier. It's just a whole lot easier and it actually will help. Um, so in the me world, you're always seeking. You're seeking something and, and you have an idea that, okay, well, peace will be there when I die. Uh, yeah, there's truth to that. It will. It will be there because the mind won't be there anymore and you're just, the body won't be there and you'll be just this. But why wait till then? It's right here now. And uh, so it can take place. But in the presence world, there's, there's no seeking. There's, you're done. You're done. When I um, had the, my shift take place and awareness just went, I had, oh gosh, probably... Um, 40 to 50 books that I was reading all on chakras and spiritual paths and new age, this or that. And I took all the books and I put them in a big old trash bag and I took them up to Goodwill and gave them away. I didn't need them anymore. I'm like, I'm, my seeking's done. I don't need these. I was teaching Reiki too. I laughed. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I teaching? It's like teaching... 
someone how to shoot water guns underwater. It just wasn't, nothing made sense. So I stopped teaching Reiki, and I had a lot of people I was teaching too. I just, I just stopped. I'm like, there's no sense in that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Reiki. Those places are important. We're going to talk about that sometime soon too. The different places that are there as we go from a solid cup to a clear cup to a cup that is invisible. All those are, are important. I'll explain what that means later. But um, you'll go through those phases. So the seeking ends. Um, and then the other thing, the me story, again, feels like it's holding up life. We, let's go back to that. You feel like you're holding up life, like you have to hold up life. And if you don't do things, life is not going to be done. Things are not going to be done unless you do things. Now, in the world of presence, things are being done, but you're not doing them. They're being done through you. The creativity takes place through you. You you find yourself going from the heart, I'm now going to work and I'm going to do this type of job. Uh, you, you're tapped into the flow of life. You're into the way, as they say in the Tao Te Ching. Um, more comes to you also. Much more comes to you. Things appear. So it's all vibration. If you're in a vibration of a constricted form of energy. Think about it. If you're in a vibration of a constricted form of energy, it's like it's like a single note, bear like that. Then you're going to attract other single notes, bear. But if you're a chord, then you'll attract more. Chords will attract more. There's there's more vibrations going out. For those of you who don't know, a chord is like three. It's three strings together in harmony. Three strings will go out and vibrate and then create a bigger sound, thus echoing into more and creating and bringing back more. So one string won't. It'll just be one string and you'll get that single sound. It won't feel as full. You'll hear, oh, there's one string. It's not as full unless you have all the other strings backing them up and the entire band there and the drummer and everything. Then you have this full sound taking place. Yes, that's that's it, children. Do it that way. And always play in 432 so that the music comes out from the heart area instead of the mind. Anyway, that's my music class there. So, um, where was I? So, you're, you're holding up life. Oh, yeah, and more comes to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, fuck, this is really good. Okay, here's a little story about me. So I was, um, I was single for a little while. I was dating. And I felt like, oh, life is not full. I need to find the one. <clears throat> and then I realized, wait a second, even the idea of not feeling full and not having the one and feel like there's something missing is life in its full measure. Does that make sense? Once that happened, a shift took place, and I let go, game over, and I sat in peace. And then I started meeting really new people with a whole new vibration to them that were of the vibration that I was. That's all I'll say about that. It's beautiful. It's just a beautiful um, way that it works. So you can apply this to your career, too. You change how you see yourself, and your career will change also meaning that you may not have the job anymore because it's not in your vibration, or you may open up to something brand new, or it may shift the entire scene of where you are. So, um, one more point here. In the me world, oh my God, yes, a good one. You walk through life missing things, dancing and thinking about tomorrow. Yeah, you're always doing that. Um... I see this all the time. I see individuals in the supermarket with their cell phones just going through life, and they're lost in their, you know, in their cell phones talking to someone. They're missing. They're missing the beauty that's there. They're missing the the opportunity of of looking at, you know, fifteen different versions of ketchup. You know, when do we get an opportunity to look at all the different types of ketchup out there, and all the time that someone put into making just a simple label so that you'll actually buy their ketchup. Just think about the art that's actually there, the art in the grocery store, and and the people that they're missing. They're not they're not looking into each other's eyes. 
Their eyes are darting back and forth, never seeing, never seeing each other, for fear of seeing themselves, not seeing. That's my thought on that. The um, So as presents, you'll find that you may leave your phone in the car and go shopping and just say, I want to see the presents appearing as everything. And you see it appearing as ketchup bottles and mustard bottles and and big old ugly dill pickles and things like that. You'll see it in all these different ways. So um, you'll see more. You'll, you'll taste more. You'll dance more. You'll, you'll get the essence and, and the flavor of life so much more, not as a me. Now, now the beauty of this is, here's the formula, basically. Um, you're, you're sitting there listening to this going, okay, well, I think I'm a me. Now, um, how do I go into, how do I go into non-duality? And the formula is find non-duality, open up to it. And then once you open up to it, immerse and come back into the world. So it's like you go up to the mountain, find it, sense it, be it, come back, declare yourself as presence, and then feel this, this me world of you, the, the mic and the character kind of go out to sea like a distant song. But now the mic and character will be there when you need it. But it's seen through. And now you can come back into the world and see everything as presence and still operate. The last thing I want anyone to do is, is to take this and go, I'm just going to sit on the couch and meditate all day and see the peace and glory. No. Hell no. Get out there and, and go out to a bar and go dancing and have a couple beers. Have fun. And, and see the beauty of all of it appearing. You're an artist. We are, we are a vibration of art. That's what we are. The very last thing is, in the me world, there really isn't love. You might think there's love, but there really isn't. The love is a story, hoping the story moves a certain way, and that's just contentment. And it's also misidentified as love. However, sometimes in the me world, you can fall into someone. You can fall into something. And when you fall into that something, the me sheds away and something opens up, and that is love. So, for instance, uh, in you're, you're a, a, a me, and you go to the beach, and you spend all day at the beach, and then I ask you, did you think a lot of thoughts today? No. Did you plan what you were going to say and do? No. Did you have a great time? Oh, my God, yes. And I'd say, okay, good. Now, where was Bob on the beach today? And you'd say, Bob was just, he was a 15-year-old boy just running free like the wind. Okay. Welcome. You've just opened up a little porthole into presence. Now, how do you do this all the time? How can we do this while you're standing in line at Walmart, you know, behind the woman who's yelling at her kids and they're all wearing sweats? Why do people wear sweats at Walmart? I don't get that. Anyway, um, so the me world doesn't have a lot of love, but world of presence is, is really love. It's just love. There's a lot of love there. Um, so that's what I want to go into next. Okay. Now what I want, no, actually what I want to talk about next is, so how do we open into this? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to walk with this computer and get myself a drink because I've been talking for 30 minutes and I ran out of tea. That's not a good thing. So I'm going to get myself some more water here and continue this. So I sat down and I thought about what are the different ways that we can, um, how do you find non-duality? How, how do you find, how do you open to this? What are the different, because there is a practice you have to do. You have to try a couple things. And this practice is, um, it's, it's, a, it's really just self-inquiry. You can't think your way into it. You can't study and read text about it because then you're just reading someone else's story. So I would suggest, I got three questions, which I think are kick-ass. The first one, you do this. Go to a quiet place, and it could just be your car in a parking lot, and ask the question, who am I? This is one of the most popular questions. Who am I? 
So as you close your eyes right now, let's try it now. You close your eyes and ask yourself, who am I? The first thing you might get is an answer that says, oh, I'm Bob and I am a mechanic. Go deeper. Okay, what is it that's actually watching Bob the mechanic? What is it that's aware that Bob's a mechanic? What is it that, that is seeing this? There's a story and a picture of Bob the mechanic, okay? It's sitting on a screen of some sort or it's sitting on a place. What does it land upon? What is the present energy that it lands upon? Does this make sense? Okay, so who am I? And if you close your eyes and you feel, oh, just presence and peace and grace, that's it. Bingo. That's what you're looking for. Okay? It's not anything, it's not anything totally exciting. It's not anything, it's not anything that goes, wow, and you feel this, this wonderful explosion in yourself. No. It's basically just... A feeling of the same feeling you would have if someone said game over you're playing a game and someone says game over and they pack up the game and they put it away and then you just sit at the table going oh, I can relax now I didn't win at Monopoly but it's okay so game over so who am I what is there okay um, the next question I have is another one. You can do this anytime, anytime. So again, you're standing in line at Walmart and you're behind the woman who's wearing sweats and she's got all of her kids and they're climbing all over the cart. And you're about ready to say something to her. <laughs> so, ask yourself the question in that moment and ask yourself, what is here? Here. What is here? What is appearing? What is it that never ends? What is it that never changes? What is here, right now? What is here? What is known? What is it that's surrounding you, that's holding you, that's comforting you? What is here? And what, what is more true, this, or the thoughts that are gonna come up and go? What is it that will never change, this, or the thoughts that will come and go? Okay, explore that. So the first question is, who am I? Second question is, what is here? And the last one is uh, something Rupert Spearer does. Uh, he's just amazing. Uh, that guy's amazing. Watch as much of his stuff as you can. He's beautiful. Um, he, asks, he has a question that says, am I aware? Am I aware? When you ask that question, you'll ask the question, am I aware? And then you'll have an answer that says yes. Okay, so in between the question and the answer of yes, the mind goes <laughs> flying all through your body looking for some type of answer. It's looking for it, looking for it. And what is it looking for? It's looking for an answer of are you aware, but what it finds is awareness, 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 awareness. It's touching awareness. The mind becomes awareness, touching awareness. So those are um, beautiful things you can do. Look at those questions. Okay, a couple more things to go over here. Um, let's talk about now you are presence. And how do we do things? So, like, how would you go get a haircut? Getting a haircut is the most beautiful thing you can possibly do. You go into a place and you go and you meet someone and they change the way you look. Have you ever fucking thought about that? That's amazing. I'm going to pay you 15 bucks. I go to a cheap place. And and you change the way I look. So you go in there going, I don't feel I don't feel good about the way I look. My hair is getting too long, dude. I just got to do something about this. And you go in there and you're like, and you walk in and you say to the girl, dude, can you, can you fix my hair? And, okay, don't go in like that. Don't say that to her. But you go and you pay someone to change the way you look. This is art. You're sitting with an artist. So when you meet this person for a haircut, the first thing you do is you look them in the eye and you say, hi, I'd like to get a haircut. Thank you. I would like to get this done. And she says, okay, please have a seat. And she tells you to sit down. So now you sit down. 
and you're sitting next to someone who's probably on their phone, okay, and you look them in the eye, and they don't look at you, but you can say to them, hello, how are you? And then for a moment, they snap out of it, and they look, at, they look up at you from their phone, and inside their head, they're going, who's this guy? Why is he saying hi? But inside, they're really going, the heart is saying, hey, this person noticed me. You may have changed their whole day just by saying hello to them. Okay? Then you finally are called. They call your name. Now, as they call your name, you go, this is amazing. I'm now an individual concentration of energy, and I'm walking across the floor. I am walking across the promenade place where they convert people. I'm going to walk in this way, and I'm going to walk out another way. I walk in, look at me. There are mirrors everywhere. And when I walk out, I'm going to look different. I'm going to walk different because I'm going to feel different because my hair has been cut, baby. <laughs> so you now, you now get your hair cut. She cuts your hair. She asks you how you want it. You don't know. You're like, I, I don't know. Just cut it shorter. You do, you're the artist. You make it look good. Of course, you really don't want to say that because you don't know what she's going to do. You give her some ideas and pointers, and you two work together. She talks to you. You talk to her. You have eye contact. You smile. You look at her family. You ask questions. You're experiencing yourself as her. Okay? You understand how that is? You're experiencing yourself. You're seeing the presence appearing as her, cutting your hair. The presence appearing as a mirror, reflecting yourself. It's all reflections, reflections, reflections. Cutting, changing, moving. Old hair is dropping off. Old ideas, just like thoughts, leaving your body. Just they, they leave, they come, they go. The hair grows, it disappears. It goes on the floor, it's swept up, and I don't know what they do. They give it to little Chinese children or something like that. I think what they should do is probably give it to people who need hair that have had chemo or something. That would be good, but I don't know if there's enough of that. And actually, I don't think they give it to Chinese children. I think they just collect it and dump it out somewhere. Anyway, the point I'm making is you now are in this place where you're getting transformed. Now you get your hair cut and you feel amazing. You say, I feel good. This feels good to do this. Um, you now walk back down the promenade and you walk with a different sway. You're like, yes, life is walking through me. I have this haircut. I feel good. And then you look at her in the eye and you give her a good tip. You give her a tip. Because you know, one, she's probably not making much money at all. Two, you have the money, you're prepared to pay a tip. And three, you want to let her know that she did a really good job to make her feel better. Even if she didn't do that great of a job, you still give her a tip. And say, you know, this is for just being here to allow me to share in this energy with you, to share this place. The two of you connect, and you have a relationship in that moment, and it takes place. And the relationship always continues, because you always think, I'll go back and get my hair cut from that person again, Miss Sally, whoever that is. And you may go back and get her, you may not. Depends on what kind of a stylist you go to. So that's how you get a, a haircut. You talk to the people when you're out, and, and you pay, because money is an exchange. Okay? And then the other thing you do is when you're out, you try this. Let people go first. Just let them, the joy of letting someone go first. Take a look at that as if it's a game. It's called, let's see who we can let go first. Do that as much as you can. Let somebody go ahead of you. Let them go first. And as they do go first, it's something to look at. It's something to know. They're going first. It's an experience of letting someone go first. These are basics that children probably need to learn, but... I'm going to reteach them right here. All right, I'm going to end with this. Um, I'm going to end with a poem. I always try to put a poem into my show. So this poem is by David Byrne of the Talking Heads. Uh, I thought it was appropriate since we had our electronic music this morning. And this is a poem called Heaven. And it's actually from a song called Heaven. And I'm holding in my hands right now the Talking Heads Fear of Music album. It's got a black cover, and it's got some wild lyrics on this. So I recommend going and grabbing that somewhere on vinyl if you can. Because vinyl is fun. It spins, and it plays vibrations as it spins. Think about that. That's just amazing. So heaven. So this is what David Byrne says. Heaven. Everyone is trying to get to the bar. 
The name of the bar is called Heaven. The band in Heaven plays my favorite song. They play it once again. They play it all night long. Heaven is a place where nothing ever happens. Heaven is a place where nothing ever happens. There is a party. Everyone is there. Everyone will leave at exactly the same time. It's hard to imagine that nothing at all could be so exciting, could be so much fun. Heaven is a place where nothing ever happens. Heaven is a place where nothing ever happens. When this kiss is over, it will start again. It will not be any different. It will not be exactly the, it will be exactly the same. It's hard to imagine that nothing at all could be so exciting, could be so much fun. Heaven is a place where nothing ever happens. Heaven is a place where nothing ever happens. Do you understand what he's saying there? If we are presence and we are space, then you having an interaction like getting a haircut is space interacting with space, interacting with space. Your space Sally cutting your hair is space, the scissors are space, the hair coming off, hitting the floor is space hitting space called hair, called floor, in which case nothing ever happens. This is a very deep way of looking at it. It's a beautiful way. Don't get lost in that because that's where, that's that's the kind of thing that can make you sit on a couch all day. Um, it's fun to sit by a, on a porch one day and go through that, but that's it. All right, we're at 52 minutes. I'm going to hang up on this thing and post it, and I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll talk again. I don't know what the next episode will be. If you like the podcast, then go on to the site and make some comments. Put some questions in there for me. Um, I'm not getting many questions because I only have like nine people listening. <laughs> and I don't really have a goal of many more listening, but... If you do have a question, put them on there. Or you can go to my website uh, and you can find um, a, con a way of contacting me there. Uh, the website is called, um, it's M-I-K-E-S 16480, uh, uh, 16480, M-I-K-E-S 16480.wixsite.com. Um, Good Lord. I think I've got that posted on my uh, blog <laughs> so you can find it. But if you can't, that's okay. So enjoy your week. I'll be back again next couple of days. We'll do another one. Take care. Goodbye.